Shalom and welcome to Hachayim's It's All About Soul series. And this week's Torah portion is Vayishlach. And in this Torah portion, we read the very opening verse is Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, and Jacob sent angels to Esav. Rashi, Rab Shlomo Yitzchaki, the most renowned classic commentator on the Torah lived in the 11th century, lived in France. He says, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, he quotes those words, and he says just two words in his commentary, Malachim Mamash. We should know that he really sent angels. Sometimes Malachim can be interpreted as messengers we find in the books of prophets, but he's saying Malachim Mamash. Real. Comes along the Magid of Mazrich, Rabdov Ber, he is the successor of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidut, and he also was the teacher, mentor, Rebbe of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shnei Zalman of Leadi, who is founder of Chabad philosophy, Chabad movement, Chabad Hasidus. And what happens? He gives a very interesting commentary on Rashi's commentary. And what does he say? that the mystical interpretation to what Rashi is saying is Malachim Mamash doesn't mean Mamash actual angels but what it really means is that he sent the actual essence the interior of the angel to Asaph. now to understand this just briefly you know that there's an argument, Maimonides, Nachmanides, whether angels have bodies or not, following the opinion that it does have bodies, and the body is more of the spiritual because it's of the spiritual two elements of the four elements, which is fire and air, while we are primarily, our bodies are made up of the more terrestrial, it's the earth and the water, um, but over there it's primarily fire and air. So what that means on a spiritual level is that there's the exterior expressive side of the angel and then there is the essential the essence of the angel so the Masrich Magid Abdobev Masrich is giving his Kabbalistic interpretation to Rashi what does Rashi mean when it says Malachim Mamash what it means is that he sent the Mamash of the angel the essence the interior essence of the angel he sent to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai I'm sorry whoa Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai what am I saying he sent to Esav. I'm already at like Bomer. He sent to Esav. The Rebbe of blessed saintly memory asked the question. Why would one send the essence interior of an angel to a wicked man like Esav? If you have no choice but to send an angel to Esav, you would send the exterior side. What does Esav have to connect with the interior of an angel? So the Rebbe is questioning the teaching of the Magid. The Magid states a fact. But the Rebbe is questioning what lies within this mystical fact. Why would... Yaakov have sent. I mean, he needs a job done. The job that the angels were sent to was to verify 
in what plane of reality Esav was? Was he still full of hatred? Is there something that we can do to create peace? Is he my brother, my twin, or my enemy? And obviously by sending this, Yaakov also wanted to begin the influence of transformation upon Esav. And if you read this week's Torah portion from that dynamic, it's beautiful how you'll see step by step how the process, the progress of transformation is made upon Esav. And then please bear in mind that we each carry an Esav within us and a Jacob within us. We each have these identical twins or non-identical twins. We each have this animalistic soul, godly soul, so forth and so on. So just studying the Torah from that perspective is unbelievable in, in simple understanding of how to deal with thyself. To thyself be true. Read the Torah portion from that, from that perspective. Up to the point where he kisses and so forth and so on. What a transformation. But let's go back to the opening. The opening of the transformation is that he sends angels. Jacob wants to already begin to make a real change on Asaph. Fine. But for a character like Asaph, who has zero parallel with angels, how much more so the essence interior of the angel dealing with the external part of the angel would be okay too. We've had, by the way, by the way, we've had previous already such a situation. Not that she was a wicked woman, but remember that we had the whole Torah portion where an angel comes to speak to Yishmael, I'm sorry, to Hagar when she ran away from Sarah, so forth and so on. Doesn't say there that there was the essence of the angel. And really, in all probability, it wasn't the essence of the angel that spoke to Hagar. You didn't need the essence of the angel to accomplish this job. And so we have numerous times throughout the story. We have many stories in the Torah. The angel that revealed himself to Bilam on the donkey, when the donkey spoke. We don't find Rashi making such a statement. Mamash! And then the Maggid should add on to that. Not that it's coming to teach us, it's mamash amalach. But really the deeper meaning is that he sent the in interior, internal, the essence of the angel. Why? Why? The devil wants to know why. <sighs> to answer this question, I'd like to share with you a story. Stories of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Ber, Shalom the Ber of Lubavitch. And he had to accomplish a specific issue that was taking place then in Russia. Uh, the fifth Vatsheva is the one that founded the first Chabad Yeshiva. It was a huge, a huge concept that he was creating. And then he was dealing then with the beginnings of what was going on in Russia. The Jews were being persecuted and chased down, all religions. And there was something really pertinent that he had to take care of, and he called a meeting. The meeting was called for after the holidays of the month of Tishrei. After New Year's, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Simchat Torah. He called in a specific group of chassidim that he was going to meet with about this issue. And he started off the meeting. This is the way I read the documentation of it. He started off the meeting by saying, in truth... I could have taken care of this concept already on Simchat Torah. 
just the spiritual experience of the Jew being happy in total rejoicing that he is a Jew and she is a Jew dancing with the Torah not by opening it up and 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 looking for deep homiletical teachings but just standing with the Torah closed and, and dancing and with tears of joy so the fifth Lao Rebbe said I could have taken care of this problem already on Simcha Torah no if he could have taken care of it through the spirituality of what was going on in his shul on Simcha Torah why didn't he why is he now going to go through a meeting and the entire struggle and everything so he went on to explain his reasoning. He said on Simcha Torah, obviously he was on a different plane. But because of the greatness of light and energy that was going on in Simcha's Torah, this could have automatically be illuminated and we wouldn't be dealing with this issue and this darkness. However, says the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, he says when you want to make an internal change, you can't do it in such a fashion. You can't do it what we call in Torah al derech agav, which in text language is BTW. <laughs> We're dealing with a whole new language here. By the way, that's what he's saying. <laughs> and actually, it's interesting because in, in, in Yiddish you actually also have letters al derech agav, but in in text it's BTW. <laughs> If you would have done it Simcha Torah, it would have been a BTW. It wouldn't have been, okay, let's get into the element and let's transform it. No. It would have been, so to speak, if you live, if you ever walk into uh, one of the New York slumlord apartments, you just turn on the light and the cockroaches run. So it's not you're going to deal with the roach problem. You turn on the light, the cockroaches run. Did they leave? They didn't leave, but they're hiding now under the sink, under here. When you do something, a BTW, when I'm not going to get involved with the issue itself, I'm just going to, because of the experience I'm having, I can automatically, with the greatness of the illumination of this experience, shine away the issues that are threatening us, but that means you didn't transform the enemy. You didn't transform the situation. You just BTW'd it. By the way, let's also take care of that. The fifth of Rebbe said that he wasn't looking for that. He was looking for an internal transformation. For that, he said, I couldn't do it on Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah, I was somewhere else. Now we're meeting to put our minds and hearts and souls. And the word in Yiddish is zicharayin legen. In the language of the, of, the, of the Magid. To put the mamash of the Malach. Jacob wasn't looking to just BTW his twin brother. He wasn't looking just to protect himself from his brother. He was looking to see if we can have an internal, thorough transformation of who his brother is. Knowing who his brother came from, the same holy father and mother that he did, the same grandparents that he did, knowing that Esau deep internally was actually 
from a very good element of light, albeit chaos, which later manifested itself in bad chaos, murder, rape. But he knew that there was, there was something to deal with deep inside. There was that chispa, that spark. And he wanted to have a true internal transformation of Esau. He wanted Esau to become a mensch. For that, he wouldn't be able to BTW him by sending him the externalism of angels. He had to tell the angels, I need you to thoroughly place yourself into the situation. Understand him. Study him. Know him inside out. Learn his language. Speak to him in his language. And then we can make a change. You people probably have experienced this because we've all experienced this with insecure teachers, mentors, or whatever it may be. Where instead of really dealing with the question you're asking, they will use cynicism as an abusive manipulation to simply filibuster you down. Relentlessly until you back off. Have you become all the smarter from it? No. An interesting story that the Rebbe actually said by Fabrengen. He was talking then about the gold which they built the Mishkan. And he said that, you know, in, in the Cheder system, you read the word the way it's written in the Torah, and then you translate it into Yiddish. So they would say, Kikar Zahav, what's Kikar Zahav Tahar? What's Zahav Tahar? Kikar is a measurement. Zahav Tahar, what's Zahav Tahar? In Yiddish, it was called Ginger Gold. And the Rebbe said that he asked his teacher, when he's a small child, what is Ginger Gold? And his teacher gave him the famous teacher answer. When you get older, you'll understand. The Rebbe then smiled, stopped for a second and smiled. And the Rebbe said, when I got older, I understood that my teacher didn't know what Ginger Gold was. And then the Rebbe went on to explain that how could he know? He lived in a village. He probably never saw it. He wasn't a rich man. So very often, when we don't know how to deal with a situation, or we feel insecure and frightened by the situation. So instead of doing what you have to do, which is really connect, connect, understand, learn, learn the language, learn how to, how does this student think? I need to get into his mind. Instead we just, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good, very good question. When you get older, you'll understand, okay? You understand everything else? Okay, so don't worry about this either. Those are poisonous statements we hear from our teachers day in and day out. Yaakov was not going to do that to Esau. Here's a question. The question I want to share with you here is how exactly does one how does one really thoroughly put himself or herself into a situation so that it can be a transformational experience rather than a filibusting or overwhelming or, or abusive, manipulative, shutdown system experience. How do you Zicharreinlegen? How can you hear and be heard thoroughly putting yourself into it? You know, 
very often you'll have amongst a couple that one is very hyper, drama, queen slash king, whichever it may be, and the other one is very not. Very shut down, take care of the problem, and then will allow the emotions in. What you actually watch in that scene is very hysterical, painfully hysterical. So one, forgive me women, but it just seems apropos to make the woman the hysterical one, which by the way, it's not true. It's amazing how many women have baby after baby and the man faints before the procedure even starts. And mind you, he's sitting there watching television. She's the one that's having attractions. But just to be a good male chauvinist tonight, let's make the female the hysterical one. So the female is screaming, her son just fell, there's a cut right on top of the eyebrow, there's blood all over the place, we don't even know how big or small the cut is, how deep or shallow the cut is, and she's screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And now we'll make the calm, cool, collect, focused husband. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and he walks in, and he sees what's going on, the screaming, the blood, the kids are hysterical, our brother's going to die. And he just very coldly, yet authoritatively, tells his loving wife, can you please go into the other room? I'll take care of this. And he does. Calls the ambulance, washes down the cut, is able to see how deep or not. There's no gray mass spilling out of the cut. It's not so bad. He might not die. Now, I want to fast forward here. Because here is what usually takes place. I shouldn't say usually. But could take place. And it throws off such a misconception of what caring and being thoroughly in emotionally, intellectually, is all about. She will say, I can't believe his apathy. He just doesn't care. Look at him. He just doesn't care. He's not answering. He's not reacting. He's not responding. Because many of us think that the definition of being totally bothered, totally shattered, so connected, so caring, means that you have to have a complete meltdown. And if you don't have a meltdown, if you're not screaming on top of your lungs, if you're not mad, you're not worried, you're not panicky, then obviously you don't care. Is there any other way to care? The above has zero zilch nada nichiva to do with being able to completely place yourself into the situation. You don't have to be hysterical. You don't have to be emotionally distraught. And on the same note, I'm not saying that being cool, calm, and collect, that can sometimes, yes, be apathy. It may sometimes be a shutdown because you can't deal with it and you really are disconnecting, even if it's not apathy. So I just want you to know that what you're watching externally in, a, in emotional expressions has nothing what to do whether you're totally involved and committed or not.
On that note, I want to share with you sometimes to be completely committed internally actually means that your reaction will have to be the most difficult reaction ever. You know what that is? Nothing. Sometimes the only way to be able to know that you are completely, absolutely, internally, 101% involved and committed to the growth, recovery, healing, education of your child is to zip it. Just don't say a word. Now here, <laughs> I want to share with you something that one of my friends, Rabbi in New York, really a brilliant young man, a classmate of mine, once shared with me. He called me up excitedly and he said, for me, I want to tell you a vort. A vort actually means a word, a teaching, a saying that I just heard. And it was about the Torah portion of Exodus. Until this very day, Jewish law mandates us that if by accident or mistake a piece of meat that we have becomes non-kosher, what does the Torah mandate us to do? Be'el ha'kelev, and to the dog you shall throw it. Give it to the dog. Why should you give non-kosher meat to the dog? So it says why. Because the dogs, when the Jewish people left Egypt, it clearly says, Lo kelev they weren't barking, they weren't growling, they weren't grinding their teeth, they sat shashtil. And to reward, the Talmud says, that God does not withhold the reward of any creature, Thus, the dogs need to be rewarded for what they did. They kept quiet. <laughs> so my friend asked me this question. One second. Let's go over the ten plagues. Remember you say this story or not? In the Seder, what's plague number two? Plague number two is the frogs. What happens with the frogs? So it says, and Moses told them that the frogs will be everywhere. And the verse tells us where the frogs went. They'll go into your bedroom, they'll go into your this room, and your that room, and, da, da, ba, ba, ba. and what are the things it says? What is tanurecha? Your ovens. Your burning hot ovens. And what happens when a frog jumps into an oven? It dies. So my friend asked me, how come we don't give the frogs meat? Okay, they don't eat meat, but how come we don't feed the frogs? The dogs! There's dogs! Great, 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 grandfather didn't bark. So we're going to give them forever and ever and ever. We're going to give them our non-kosher meat. The frogs. The frogs died to help us experience Exodus. They jumped into the ovens. What's the answer? So he tells me like this. The moral of the story is that it's easier to throw yourself into an oven and die than it is to shut up. We all think the screaming, oh, my sacrifice, I give my life for my kids, and ta pa pa. Sometimes, if you really care and you really want to speak your child's language, you really want to connect to your child in the deepest level to the way he or she presently thinks, 
so that you can help them grow or l- get out of a situation that they're presently in emotionally, mentally, sometimes the hardest thing to do is shh, don't say nothing. So what does it mean? So if it doesn't mean to put up a beautiful scene that deserves a Grammy Award of how shattered you are and how emotionally distraught and caring and you can't even breathe, then what is it? So I will share with you what it means to be completely and absolutely involved in something. To care. To care about a situation or a person as the Maggit said upon the Rashi that says upon the verse that Jacob sent the essence of the angel so that he can have a true internal total absolute transformation how do we do that how can we be the true parent the true teacher and probably more importantly for us right now in this room the true friend who can really connect reach in internally learn the language inside out and make a transformation the answer to that question really is quite simple. Go on to YouTube, Google, and find a video of any one of the Sunday mornings that the Rebbe of Saintly Memory stood and handed out dollars. It is unbelievable how many interviews I have listened to of people, secular people, that did not have the upbringing to understand what a Rebbe is, a Chassid is. And it's unbelievable how one of the most deepest penetrating experiences they have is the following. When the Rebbe looked at me, there was no one else in the room on his mind. It's unbelievable how many people express that in the Rebbe. The Rebbe stood for what? Six hours? How many people can walk by in front of the Rebbe and in in just to take up six seconds to get a dollar, get a blessing, move away? How many times were the cameras there that came? How many times were there, this today was going to come, I remember when Ed Koch came, I remember when uh, Dinkins came, I remember when the person from Israel, I mean, this, the dollar line was just unbelievable. It didn't make a difference. Right now, there was a woman from Norway who was worried about her child. And she was talking to the Rebbe. And that's all existed. That's all that existed in that moment. There's a video clip I just saw where there's a certain woman who was distraught. Something that was a misunderstanding with her husband. Her husband was offended. And she wanted to ask the Rebbe why and so forth and so on. And they were literally, literally, they were trying to pull her away from the Rebbe. She just wouldn't stop and she kept on going on. And Rebbe, and you hear the Rebbe, told the people, leave her alone. The Rebbe explained her the situation in Hebrew, Yiddish, and French. There was no one else in the universe that existed at that moment that the Rebbe was dealing with besides this woman and her husband's misunderstanding of what happened. So if you want to talk about how do you send the mamash 
Oh, we can all, we can all lament about the educational system. We can lament about the parenting that goes on today. We can talk about how there's no such thing as a true friend no more. But then let's ask ourselves. I, a parent. I, a teacher. I, a friend. How do I really be the best father that I can be for my kids? How can I be the best teacher to anyone that gives me an opportunity to sit and share with them something? And again, I say, most important of all, how can I be a true best friend? I sent out a clip in my weekly email, if you recall, two weeks ago. The point was how no matter in what engagement we are, we're never sitting with the person. We're texting, answering a call, getting a call. And then we wonder what happened to relationships in our century. If you want to really make an impact on your child, if you want to make an internal impact on your child, take a piece of advice that I took from a great book that my sister once gave me called How to Speak So Kids Will, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen to Kids Will Talk. And one of the things over there it shows in a cartoon format. If your child is talking to you and you're right now busy, either one or two things. Tell your child I can't talk right now or put the book down, put the newspaper down or turn your chair away from the computer. Look at your child eye to eye and ask, okay, honey, what do you want to tell me? That's the entire mystical secret that's so practical to you and I when we hear what the great Magid says. He sent the essence. You put down the paper. You turn your chair around from the computer. You look your child in the eye and you say, okay, honey, what do you want to tell me? That's what it means that you sent the essence of who you are and your child will be open to an internal transformation. People, make it a great one.